All right, so this is week two. If, you're, if this is your first week with us, this is week two of this Under the Influence series. It's a, spirit, a series where we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. If you're following along in the uh, known journals, if you have one of those, we're on page 26 this morning. If you want to take any notes, uh, I'd invite you to do that. If you don't know what that journal is or you would like one and didn't get one, uh, out on the right side of the foyer there, there's some on the wall. Feel free to take one. So Pastor Adam kicked this, service, or this series off last week. I thought he did a really good job. And there's a couple of essential things that I think we need to review this morning to make sure that we're all on the same page as we head uh, a little bit deeper into the Holy Spirit and, and who he is. And so the first, pers- uh, the first thing that I think Adam gave us that's important that we remember is this, is that the Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, sometimes when we get into this conversation of the Holy Spirit, we start to think that the Holy Spirit's a, an it or some kind of mystical being, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. The New Testament, Jesus refers to him as he, all right? He's made it clear that the Holy Spirit is a person. So that's an important thing that we understand. The second thing I think that's important that we understand is that the Holy Spirit is God, right? And if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the church, if you're here exploring it, this whole idea of the Trinity might sound really, really confusing to you. And I wish that I had time this morning to go into it and explain it. And I don't, but I just want to highlight this to you that we have God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. All right. Scripture is clear that the Holy spirit is, is God. So we've done that, and Adam kind of set the groundwork for us last week. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to go dig deeper into what is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit working in us, and how do we work in the power of the Holy Spirit, and what's that relationship like? So we're going to dig deeper into that, and I don't want to waste a lot of time because uh, we've got a lot that we want to get to. So we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. And if you're new to Scripture, right, what you see there, you can barely see it on the left is the Old Testament books of the Bible. And then on the right is the New Testament books of the Bible. And if you go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll find this book called Acts. And that's where we'll be this morning. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. We're going to... I would invite you to, sometimes when a pastor gets up and invites you to go to a passage and we read that passage and you close your Bible and you throw it down and you just listen. Well, this morning I'll just give you this warning heads up uh, is that we're going to keep working through the book of Acts. I'm going to jump around to a couple passages in Acts, and they won't be up on the screen. But if you're in Acts, I think they'll be easy to get to, so we'll work that way and go to those. So just that, uh, just that heads up for you. So the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the writer here is Luke. Luke was also the writer of the Gospel of Luke, and then he goes on to write the book of Acts. So, verse 1. In my former, my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen to his disciples. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. I want to just stop there because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the basis for Christianity. It's the basis for our faith, all right? If we do not have the resurrection, if Jesus was not resurrected, then Paul would tell us and I would tell you that our faith is hopeless if Jesus was not risen from the dead. And so here, what Luke gives us is some evidence. And this is evidence that that those that would dispute who Jesus is really need to wrestle with. He makes it clear that what the disciples saw, 
right, that changed them so much was that this resurrected Christ, and Jesus didn't show up just one time. It wasn't that he came in just spirit, all right? His resurrected body was there with them, and he was there with them for a period of 40 days, okay? The other thing I notice here is it says that he ate with them. He had a physical body. It wasn't spirits don't eat. His physical body, he was there with them. The resurrected Lord was with them and he was eating with them. And it changed their lives. We don't have time to go into all of that, but it's important that we understand that. Now, here's what he told them. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. It's coming. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's funny to me, from the very beginning, the disciples thought Jesus was going to come and he was going to establish uh, Israel, the kingdom of Israel, all right? And he was going to push out the Romans and everything was going to be awesome for the nation of Israel. And so they're still thinking that way. They're thinking, all right, is it time now? Now's the time where you're going to establish your kingdom here on earth in the nation of Israel. And he says to them, it is not for you to know these times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And verse 8, this is where we wanna, we're going to focus in on and dive in deeper. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so I want to focus on this word power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, this word power, if you would do a study on this word, you would find that the Greek word for this, our English word power here, is the Greek word dunamis. The word dunamis is where we actually get our English word for dynamite, all right? If any of you have ever been around an explosion, all right, of any size, but preferably a bigger explosion, you would experience the power that exists in that explosion, all right? Dynamite has a certain amount of power. You're not going to stick a stick of dynamite in your house and light it on your kitchen floor. Why? Because there's a certain amount of power within that stick of dynamite that's going to affect your house in a negative way. When I was a surveyor, before I became a pastor, I worked for Brubacher Excavating. One of the things we had to do as a surveyor was we had to lay out things for what was called drilling and blasting. When they found rock on the construction site, they had to drill and blast because our machines can't pull through certain thicknesses of rock, but dynamite can. So we would be on the site, we'd, we'd set up the things for them, and they would drill, they would load it with dynamite, and they would blast. And if you were within a mile of that blast, you would feel it inside of you. A couple weeks ago, Adam got to tell a story about him throwing gasoline on a fire. And I'm going to guess that most of us in this room have experienced an explosion of, of one sort or another, perhaps not dynamite. So I wanted to give you another example. And I think every young man probably has a story like this because there's some fascination for men and fire and gasoline. So when I was uh, a much younger man, about three years ago, I was... Uh, I had a pile of grass at our farm that needed burned. Someone in our family uh, brought over this pile of grass from their house and thought, well, it'd be easier for Chris to get rid of it. So they dumped it on our burn pile. And I thought, well, great. This gives me a good opportunity to have some fun here. Now, the common person would go and just take a match and throw it on the dry grass 
and the grass would start on fire and it would burn. But that's not that fun. So I wanted to have more fun than that. And I knew that I had about a half a gallon, three quarters of a gallon of gas in my, in my barn. And so I went in the barn and I, I took almost the whole thing, just about the whole thing of gas and poured it on this grass pile. But now I'm not a complete moron, so I knew, all right, I can't stand right on top of it because if I stand right on top of it and drop the match, there's going to be some negative effects to my body. So I drew a trail. I made a trail away from the pile. It was only about three feet because I thought, well, it wasn't that much gas, so I don't need to get that far away. And so I light the match, drop it on, boom. This thing made an explosion. Unlike, I was totally thrown off guard. I did not expect this at all. It blew me onto my rear end. I was laying on the ground. And I, as I was flying, I saw the grass pile lift. All right? just, just a little bit, only like an inch or two. But the actual grass pile picked up off the ground, went back down, and then ignited into flames. And I was laying there thinking, wow, that was awesome. <laughs> and then, of course, I got up quickly and looked around to make sure nobody saw what had happened. And my wife saw these uh, singed eyelashes and eyebrows, and she said, what were you doing? I was experiencing power. So we could ask the question, all right, so there's power involved here. What is this power, and why did God give the power to the disciples? Why do they need this power? What was it for? All right, well, here's what he says. I believe it shows up here in the verse. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If they were going to be the witnesses for Christ, if they were going to share the gospel of Jesus, if they were going to display, put on display the kingdom of God, they could not do it in their own human abilities. And they needed some extra power. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish the mission that Jesus was about to put them on. And I would argue that one of the reasons that God has given us his Holy Spirit is to empower us to complete the mission that he has started. Now, don't get the idea that he's taken himself out of this mission because Jesus is building his church. Let's be clear about that. He hasn't removed himself, but he's commissioned us to continue it, to spread the gospel and to point to God. All right. What Jesus came to do, think about it for a second. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come as a, as a baby, come to earth, and then ultimately go to a cross and die? Well, most of us would say to save sinners, and that's true. Jesus went to the cross to provide salvation for you and me, for sinners, right? But when he was on earth, when he talked, most of the time what he talked about, when people would question him, is I've come to give glory to my Father in heaven. And I think that we have the same mission, that We have come, he has given us himself because we are here to bring glory to God, our father. Now we cannot provide salvation for people. We can't do that, but we can point to Jesus, the one who can. And I believe that that's why we have the power of the Holy Spirit is to complete the mission that Jesus has started and is still on. So what I want to do here is I want to work through the book of Acts because what we see here in the book of Acts is the power of the Holy Spirit on display. It's clear to us, right? And there's a lot that we can get into, uh, and I just want to point out a couple to you. So if you wouldn't mind, here we go. Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit in full display. Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through, or I'm sorry, verses 3 through 4. So they saw, that's, this is the apostles, all right, the, the disciples. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And as you find, if you keep reading here, they, would, they were speaking in other tongues. Other people from other parts of the world had come to hear about what was happening. And they could stand there and they could hear the gospel being presented in their own language. All right, that's power through the Holy Spirit. Chapter 3, jump over just a couple pages here. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Verse 2, now a man crippled from birth, catch that, don't miss it. He's crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple courts. Imagine this, this man is crippled from birth, has never walked. Every day they take him to the temple gate and he sits there and begs for a living. That is a painful place to be in. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. This man was so distraught, so run down, he can't even look up at the people. He has no dignity to even look at the people that he's talking to. And Peter gives him his dignity back and he says, look at me. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping. And what else was he doing? He was praising God. He was glorifying God because of the power of the Holy Spirit had brought healing on this man. And he was given new life. And he's praising God for it. Acts chapter 16 couple pages ahead here. Turn with me if you will. Acts chapter 16. Just two more I want to show you. Acts chapter 16, we find Paul now and Silas. Paul is the writer of much of our, our New Testament, 13 books in fact. And here's what's happening on his little trip here. Once when we, and whenever you see we in the book of Acts, side note, whenever you see we in the book of Acts, that means Luke is with them currently. All right? Luke's the writer here. But when he is with them, he writes, well, I was with them. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. So this girl has an evil spirit in her and it gives her the power to predict the future. She earned a great deal of her of money for her owners by fortune telling fortune telling. She's being taken advantage of her owners are making a profit off of her. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so troubled, I would put in here exhausted, that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. So Paul recognizes it's not her, it's an evil spirit within her, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he casts out the demon. The demon, excuse me. Now, one more I want to look at. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12. So God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. And I would say through the power of the Holy Spirit, did extraordinary miracles. In verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched 
or that had touched him were taken to the sick. Let me just make a side note here. For those of you who know me well, you know that when I get sick or when it's allergy seasons, I, I carry a handkerchief. I'm just trying to be like Paul, okay? Paul carried one. I can carry one, all right? So, so you guys can make fun of me if you want to, but Paul had one, so. All right, so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that he had touched or that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's the power, that's the power of the Holy Spirit there. God was working in and through Paul in such a powerful way that even the stuff that he touched, people would come in contact with it and their, their inadequacies, their, their, their hurts, their pains would be healed. Evil spirits would come out of people. And when we look at these things and we look at what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit in the first century church, we say, man, that is awesome. That is power. And I want to see that. I want to see that power. I want to see those miracles. So what happens when you get to 2015 and you're in East Earl, Pennsylvania, or wherever you may live, and we don't see those, the miracles of that magnitude. We don't see those things in our own life. We pray for someone that's sick. Someone that's sick comes to us, or maybe it's a family member, and they say, pray for me, please. Will you pray for me? I'm sick. I need healed. We pray for that person, and when they don't get healed, they, they get worse. Or what happens when we pray, God, would you open their eyes? Will you please, I, I love this person so much and they don't know you. They're far from you and I want them to come to know you. And so you start to pray for them and you say, will you heal them? Will you bring them to yourself? Will you open their eyes? And they just seem to move further away from God. And we're left standing there saying, well, where is that power I read about in Acts chapter one or in the book of Acts? Where is it? Am I doing something wrong? And then in my own personal journey, I I would couple that with something that Jesus said. Jesus says this in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will be honest with you as a pastor. I've read that verse many times, and I scratch my head, and I say, wait a second, Jesus. You walked on water. You changed the water into wine. You took a blind man and you gave him his sight. You healed the leper and the cripple and you set captives free. How in the world am I going to do greater things than you? How in the world am I going to do that? Because I can't seem to get out of my own way sometimes. And so this personal, this, this journey for me with the Holy Spirit and this, this message is very personal to me. I'll share that with, with you. And I, I honestly, I feel a little bit inept to be up here and communicating this message with you because there is a lot here to dig into and a lot to understand. And so what I want to do now in in this moment, I know it's the middle of the message, uh, but I just want to take a minute just to pray and ask God to open our eyes to what he is saying to us and communicating with us. So if you would just pray with me for a second, father, uh, Lord, I just, we want to get this right. We want to bring you honor and glory. We want to understand you. We want to know you. We want more of you, father, God. Father, forgive us for the sin that is in our lives that keeps us from you. Draw us close to yourself. Give us your understanding through the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to connect with your Holy Spirit the way that you've created us to and designed us to do. Lord, will you pour me out? May I not say anything that would be uh, false, God. And if I do, may they not hear it or remember it. In Jesus' name, amen. So 
A few quick things. As we get into this, and, and we just talked about in the power of the Holy Spirit, you see things like healing and tongues. And one of the other ones that gets thrown in with this one is prophecy. And we talk about these things. Uh, the message isn't specifically about that. And there's a lot that we could talk about, but I just got to mention it because we're talking about the Holy Spirit here in the book of Acts. Now, some would argue, there's this, there's this thinking out there. Some would argue that these gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in the sense that we're talking about tongues and healing and prophecy, some would argue that that they have ceased, meaning this, that the, these gifts are not imparted to a person as they were like the Apostle Paul or Peter or John, that those gifts were specifically for the apostolic period, which would be that first century church, to get the church off the ground, to give it some, some significance, all right, to give it some power behind it. So there's power behind the message, right, and people see it and they're changed. And so some would argue that. Some would argue that, no, 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 these gifts are still for today, that people still have them, and that they, you can bring glory to God through them. Now, I will tell you this, that I have heard both sides of the argument, and I have spent time in both camps myself. But I will say, I'll say it this way. I believe that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And that if God wants to use those gifts to bring glory to himself, he absolutely can do it. And he's not limited. He is not limited in that he can't do it. All right. Now, there's a lot that I don't understand. And people in my life have really challenged me on this. Some people in my life have come to me and said, Chris, you really need to think more about this, do more work on this. And so I've done that. I've started to. I've started on the journey, I should say. I haven't completed it yet. But I'm still on this journey And so I've gone to the Lord with a lot of questions in my heart. God, what is it about this verse that how can I do greater things? God, what is it about healing and and tongues and prophecy? What is it about these things that you would say come through the power of your Holy Spirit that we don't see them in East Earl, Pennsylvania? Why not, God? And so I've I've done some seeking on this. And and as I did that, I believe that he answered me. And this was was several months ago that I've, I've... started to process this. And I I believe that God spoke clearly to me through this passage and I'll share it with you. I'm excited to have the chance to share it with you today. Luke chapter 11, verses nine through 13. Jesus says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Well, think about this passage for a second. We read to that point and we're all like, yes, we're all excited about it, right? Like if I ask of God, he's going to give it to me. If I seek and I'll find it, if I knock, the door's going to be open. So what goes through our mind when we start to think about those things? We start to think about all the things that we want that would make our lives easier, right? Man, if I was just healthy, if we didn't struggle with infertility, if, if the mortgage was paid off, you know, we go through all these things, right? This list of things, and it would just make life easier. So God, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask, and you're going to give it to me, right? Well, unfortunately, we can't stop there because Jesus doesn't stop there. So let's look at it. What else does he say here? So he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven, and it doesn't say give you whatever you want. God is not a genie in a bottle. What does he say here? He says, how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? And so as I was seeking the Lord on this and and, and challenging him and asking him about this, this is what he, he said to me. I felt him say this. Why are you seeking those gifts? Is it for your glory or for mine? 
And I think that's something we need to ask. Why are we seeking the things that we are seeking? Is it for our glory or is it for his? And what else does he say? If you ask, you will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open. And I will not surely give you more of myself. That's basically what that means. And so we have to ask ourselves, is God enough? Am I okay being in a tight, close relationship with God, in communion with him day in and day out? Because as I seek him, as I chase after him, that's what he will give me. He'll give me more of himself through the Holy Spirit. So here's what I believe. As, as followers of Jesus, if you're in the room and you are not a follower of Jesus, this doesn't connect with you because you don't have the Holy Spirit. But if you are a believer in Jesus, I believe that you have the Holy Spirit. And I would say it this way, that if you are a believer in Jesus, you have received power in the Holy Spirit. You've already been, it's already been given to you. Now, it may manifest itself in different ways. It may look differently in different people, but it's already there. And you might not even know it. You may have pushed off or resisted or been, been not even acknowledging the Holy Spirit's role in your life, but it's there. He is there. So I want to do, for the rest of this message, I want to examine this with you and talk about the Holy Spirit and how I believe. Uh, and like I said, we're not going to get into those other gifts because it's such, such a long conversation and a lot to go through. But I believe that there are some clear ways that the Holy Spirit has worked in all of us or should be working in all of us that we can look at. So let's examine them together. The Holy Spirit gives us power to share Jesus boldly. All right, this is number one. The Holy Spirit gives us power to share Jesus boldly. It takes courage to talk about Jesus in a world that doesn't want to believe in God or acknowledge Jesus' existence, let alone that he is the only way to heaven. It takes courage to speak about Jesus. I want to give you an example of this in Scripture. All right, and when we talk about all those other things in the book of Acts and we point to all those things, well, I want to give you one that's a little more subtle that we tend to miss. For some reason, we miss this one or we don't count it as power of the Holy Spirit, but I believe it's absolutely the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you would, turn back with me to Acts chapter 2. All right? One you may have looked over or overlooked. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 is where we're going to be. So here we have Peter. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, think for a second. Who is Peter? What do we know about Peter? One of the last times you see Peter in the Gospels, Peter is one of those people that says, I'll stand for you, Jesus. I'll defend you. I'll die for you if I have to. And then the pressure comes and Jesus is taken away to trial and and Peter follows along in the background looking, watching, observing, not standing up, not fighting. And then some people begin to question him and they look at him and they say, hey, aren't you one of his? Weren't you one of his disciples? No, I don't know him. I I never was with him. You got the wrong guy. That's Peter. Now, is that boldness and courage? No. He was a coward. And then come to this moment. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. All right, Acts chapter 2. And this is what he does. He stands up 
And he raises his voice to the crowd and he says, fellow Jews who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And we don't have time to work through this whole passage. I wish we did. And I'd encourage you to read it. But jump down to verse 36 with me. Here's Peter's message. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So picture the scene with me for a second. This is a hostile crowd. This is a group of people that crucified Christ. And if they could crucify Jesus, surely they could drag Peter out of the town and stone him if they wanted to. And he looks at them and he says, you did it. You crucified Jesus. Which one of us would have the boldness to stand in a crowd of people like that and tell them they're all a bunch of murderers? That takes boldness. And then he goes on and he says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. The power of the Holy Spirit, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replies to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in Peter, giving him the boldness to share Christ with courage and confidence. Paul, who we talked about, he's the writer of 13 books in the New Testament. When he talks about the church in Corinth, this is what he says to them. He reiterates this. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. In other words, it wasn't my own abilities, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. God spoke to Paul through the power of the Holy Spirit and gave him the boldness and the courage to say the things he needed to say. Now, our natural inclination is to shy away from talking about Jesus. And it's for a multitude of reasons. You know, we don't know what they're going to say. We're worried about what we might think. We live in a world that's rapidly, this is rapidly happening. We can get in more and more trouble for speaking the name of Christ. You go into your your workplace or into your school and you start talking about Jesus. And if you're in the wrong environment, people are going to start to ask questions and you might even lose your job over it. Right? So we start thinking that way. But when the power of the Holy Spirit, when we are relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us courage and boldness to speak the name of Jesus. In my senior year of high school, I went all through high school. I was so worried about what everybody else would think about me. And I was, I would have said I was a follower of Jesus, but I I don't think that I was. And I I said, I told my parents I was, and, and I did the the things that I was supposed to do to make them happy. But then when I was at school and the pressure was on me and I was with other groups of people, I wouldn't talk about Jesus. Wasn't interested in talking about Jesus because I knew it wouldn't benefit me. And then halfway through my senior year, God does this powerful work in me. And I I come back to school and I'm like, you know what? I don't care what you're going to think of me. I don't care what you have to say. I need to tell you about who Jesus is and what he's done in my life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, point number two. We'll keep moving here. The Holy Spirit gives us power when we are weak. And I believe this is in two areas. Two very important and specific areas that probably affect every single one of us. It is not a secret to us. That the physical world that we live in is in suffering. There's pain in our world. It's not hard to see. You don't have to look very far. And maybe even in your own personal life, you experience this physical pain or emotional pain. And our world is in uh, a lot of turmoil right now. 
In Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about this. And he's talking about how the physical world is groaning, longing to be back where it was in the garden where it had been created, all right, without sin. And then, it, so he says this, in the same way, the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. Helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, intercedes for us through wordless groans. All right? Not long ago, uh, just actually a couple weeks ago, I was with uh, Aaron's grandfather, my wife. Her name's Aaron. Her grandfather was passing away. And I had the privilege of going to be with him just three weeks before he passed away. He was in the hospital. And this was a kind of a long process. I mean, some of you would say it wasn't long because it was only a couple months. And some of you have been in this, in a process with a loved one, or you're in it yourself where it's much longer than that. But to watch somebody's body begin to shut down, physically their body is shutting down. Right? That's what was happening to Aaron's grandfather. And his, his kidneys were starting to fail and, and organs weren't working the way they would. And as I talked with him, I said, what, what is that like? And he said, you know, every part of my body said it hurts inside. I can feel my organs just hurt, which is a, an odd experience. But as I sat with him, there was something that I noticed. And that is, I didn't hear a single complaint out of him. There was a joy and a peace that was in him. And he said to me, he said, Chris, if God decides to heal me, that's fine. If God decides to take me home to be with him, that's okay too. And he just had a peace and a joy. And as he interacted with the nurses and the doctors, it wasn't agitated. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter because he had the power of the Holy Spirit that was helping him endure the pain and suffering well. Now, the second part where I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit helps us when we are weak, is that the battle against our own flesh, our own sin. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is sometimes staggering and amazing to me as I interact with some people the amount of sin that they are okay with being in their life. If you are a believer in Jesus and you are a Christian, you should not be okay with sin taking up residence in your heart and in your life or in your mind. I'll say it this way. I've been open and honest with this, about this struggle in my own life before. Uh, you know, pornography is something that's running rampant through our culture, through our churches, and, and I have battled this one. I've done some hard work in this area. And one of the things that God has really come at me hard at in this is you can't allow sin to take residence in your heart. You can't be okay with that. And there's so many people that I talk to that are like, well, this is just the area where I'm weak. It's just gonna, it's just, I'm going to struggle with this. So I'm okay with a little bit, but not. that is not okay. That is not, that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I realized as I've talked with God about this is that when you make a decision, when you make a decision, and maybe it's not pornography for you, maybe it's lying, maybe it's cheating on taxes or money, there's any number of things. But you make a decision. In that moment, I believe that every one of us has a decision to make. And we run through life, and, and yet last week we talked about not being thoughtless. God has given us the power to rely on him. Right? You come to a moment in life, and if we would just slow down a little bit, and we're in that moment where, all right, I know I'm at a crossroads here. 
And I can make a decision. I can either go this way or this way. Let me tell you, if you choose sin, you're making a willful decision to walk away from God or to resist him. Now, don't hear salvation there. I'm not saying that you're not saved. But what I'm saying is you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you get to that website or that pop-up comes up and you're tempted to click it. In that moment, you should be saying, God, help me in the, the area of my weaknesses because I don't want to give in to that. Because if I go there, I'm not taking you with me. Because God doesn't go into sin with us. You're in that moment where you're filling out your taxes and you got that moment where ah, I could fudge this a little bit. You have to decide, God, am I going to go with you? Will you help me to be honest? Or that moment where you know you did something wrong and somebody confronts you about it and you have the decision, do I lie about it? Do I try to protect my false integrity or do I try to keep the truth away? Or do I make the right decision and say, God, I want to walk with you in honesty. Give me the power to do that. So I believe this with all my heart that we have to take on sin with everything that we have. And that we need to realize that the Holy Spirit has given us power that we do not need to gratify the desires of the flesh. But that we can walk with him. And what that takes, if you go back to what I talked about in Luke, it takes seeking him It's asking for him, God, I need more of you here because I'm in this area of weakness. Please help me. And I believe we can overcome it. All right, last one. The Holy Spirit gives us power in a hopeless world. I'll just share a verse with you here. It comes out of Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I'm going to highlight that in a second. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I already talked about suffering in this world. And that suffering is here. Every one of us goes through some degree of suffering. But one of the things that the the Holy Spirit does is he gives us power to have hope in a hopeless world. Where our world looks around and it's like things are hopeless. It's awful. We should have a tremendous amount of hope in what God is doing in and through us. It is possible to have joy in the midst of a world that is filled with heartache and suffering. And so how can you do that? Well, one of the things that Adam reminded of us last week is that we walk through this life and we think that we are in so much control of everything. And it's an illusion. It's an illusion. We are not in control of near as much as we think we are. And he talked about how we are one phone call away from life changing. One phone call away from life changing. And you think about that for a second. You know, it could be a loved one that calls you and says, hey, I don't love you anymore. I'm moving on. It could be an accident. It could be a heart attack. It could be something that happens to your children. And I will tell you that I got that phone call. It was last year, right around this time, I got that phone call that stopped me dead in my tracks. And it made me reevaluate everything. So it was, a, it was a Friday morning, and we had gotten our two-year-old out of bed. His name's Josiah. He wasn't two then. He was only 14 months or 16 months, about that. And we'd gotten him out of bed, and we noticed that morning that on his side he had this, this lump. It was a protrusion. It was coming out. And we, even at the time, we didn't think that it, it was something. We didn't think the worst. Our minds didn't go there. But Aaron said, you know, I'm going to take him to the doctor. We agreed. That's a great idea. Go get it checked out. Find out what it is. And, and that weekend I was speaking at a, a youth retreat uh, up in Mannheim, PA. And, and they had been so generous to get me a hotel so I didn't have to make the, the trip back and forth. And so I had gotten to the hotel and she calls me. 
And she, she says, Chris, they did the ultrasound, and, and it's a tumor. It's cancer. And I remember sitting there at the desk. I had a couple hours before I needed to go and speak, and I was thinking, God, how am I going to go and do this? Like, that's the farthest thing from my mind. I don't even want to go. But I know that you've called me here. I don't want to leave these people high and dry. And so how do I do that? And then I, then I have all these things that are going on in my heart. I'm thinking, God, are you going to gonna take him now? Like, why now? Why, why this road? Why cancer? And as I sat there and the tears ran down my face and I was thinking about losing our little boy, God spoke to me in the midst of that moment. And here's what he said to me. He asked me this question. He says, do you trust in me? Do you trust that I am in control? And as I look at this verse, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And so as I sat and I wrestled with that and I thought, God, yeah, I do. And when I could finally get to the place where it wasn't the Sunday school answer, but I genuinely deep in my heart believed that God was in control and that he could answer any prayer and that he was in total control of the situation. I felt this overwhelming amount of peace and hope fill my heart. And I had a confidence like I didn't have before. And I will tell you, it was not a confidence that everything was going to turn out okay. For those of you who know the story, it did. God chose to heal him. But it was not a confidence in that. I did not have that knowledge at the time. But what I did know was that God, whether you choose to take him now, and maybe you've only given him 14 months of life, and that's the journey that you've set out for him, then I'm okay with that. It'll hurt like crazy and I'll miss him. But if that's the road that you've chosen for him, I'm okay. But if not, if you choose to heal him, If you choose to heal him, I'm okay with that too. And so I had to get to a place where I just surrendered all of my desires and said, God, I trust that your desires are greater than mine. And I trust that you are good. And so I believe that it is in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can walk through this life that seems hopeless at times. And we can have a tremendous amount of hope, peace, and joy as we trust in him. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit has given us the power or the Holy Spirit gives us the power to finish the work that God has given us to do. That we can walk through life and we can glorify our Father in heaven and that we can point people to Jesus. Because that's why I believe that each one of us is here. It's to glorify God, point to Jesus. And I think as the outside world looks in on us, they hear us speak about Jesus boldly. They watch us suffer just like they do, but with a peace and a joy that they can't explain. And they see this tremendous hope that we have, that they will be drawn to this person of Jesus, our great God. Let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would enable us to do the work that you've asked us to do. God, I thank you that you are faithful that you are always good, that you are with us. God, there's a lot of things here that I don't understand. There's a lot of things that we don't understand, but the one thing that I do know for sure is that you are good and that you are in control. Lord, I pray that you would help us to depend on your son, Jesus, to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, that we might bring you great honor and great glory. And I pray that the world around us would see that and ask the question, what is it that they have that we don't.
that we might show them the good news, the message of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.